So when we made New Year's resolutions this year, there was a before and an after that we had in mind, right? This is how I am now. This is how I want to be. For me, it's to lose some weight, to get back into shape. It's to, for other things, it's to have patience, more patience, to have a softer heart, to be more careful to view the world the way that God views the world, to see things the way that he does. Those are some of the things that have been on my heart. And I've been one, probably as the video stated, that's wrestled with the word if. You ever wrestled with that little word? We always think that if we have just the right conditions, that everything would change. If only this, if only that, if I just had this thing, it would be so much easier. If this particular thing would change, if the circumstances were just right, then we could really make a difference. We could really change. But what if those circumstances, what if those ifs never come? What if those things don't change? What do we do then? We have to encounter reality. We've got to really trust God. We've got to rely on his power and by faith move forward to change what he has indeed given us the power to change. We've got to get past that little two-letter word. So last week we talked about the specific callings that God's given us, okay? We talked about the callings he's given us personally in our lives, the callings that he has given us as believers, everything that he's called us collectively to do. And to accomplish those things, we must go forward. As we mentioned, we can never give give up. We need to follow through. Christ is our greatest example of following through. And we're going to look at that a little bit later. The problem is it's really easy to say those things, isn't it? It's really easy to to kind of get emotionally pumped up, especially in a sermon, you know, and uh, watch the ball every drop every year in the middle of it and say, I've got this. You know, you get emotionally, you know, mentally psyched up and say, I've got this. But how do we practically move forward? And what do we do when we fall on our face? Some of you probably cringe this morning when you hear just the phrase New Year's resolution. Because it's already three weeks in and you've already forgotten what it was. You've fallen on your face several times and you're thinking, I've already given up on that thing. But it can't be like that, especially when it comes to the things that God has in store for us. So what do we do? I want to encourage you this morning, but I want to also offer some practical steps as to how we can really move forward with the things that Jesus has called us to do. And I want to begin by by reading this verse in Hebrews that reminds us of so many that have gone on before us, so many that have struggled for Jesus before to live the life that he's called us to live. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and it's talking about all the believers that have gone before us, <clears throat> let us also, like them, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Living this life is a challenge, okay? Uh, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. <coughs> Excuse me. Consider Christ. Is there another part of that verse? Thank you. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. 
Okay? So as we consider the struggle before us to live a godly life, to do the things that God has called us to do, I want us to gather a little bit of perspective for a second. You know, if we're honest, we would say living for Jesus is really tough. It's really difficult to watch my mouth. It's really difficult to watch the thoughts that are inside my head. It's really difficult to be patient, to have a loving heart all the time. I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those guys, let's say, that's you know, having a challenge t- talking to people about Jesus. I really don't want to give up 10% of my money to the Lord. I don't want to do this. I don't want to go on a mission trip to Africa. I don't, I don't want to do these things. But I want us to gain a little bit of perspective because when it talks about the great cloud of witnesses that have come before, <coughs> excuse me, come before us, I want you to see what he's talking about. In the chapter before, he's talking about all these people who have lived by faith. And he says, what more shall I say? He's been talking about Christian after Christian, those following the Lord. He says, for time would fail me to tell of some other stories like Gideon and, and, and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets <coughs> who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, <coughs> Excuse me. put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. (coughs) So it gives this picture of all these folks that have have lived for Christ, have done the things that God's called them to do, and they've faced some severe consequences for it because of the world that surrounded them. They faced death. We are not in a situation that we are facing those things. The struggle that we have to live for Christ is nothing compared to the people, at least at this time, right, that have, that have come before us. So it's an amazing perspective to grab from, from that particular verse. So considering these people who came before us, Hebrews lays out some great advice, though, for us to live a faithful, a faithful life for God, one that will follow through, one that will finish well. So Hebrews 12 is going to kind of be our text for this morning. And in Hebrews 12, <coughs> again it says, Because we're surrounded by so great a witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and sin which, so, which clings so closely. Let us set aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. There are some things in your life that you struggle with, I'm sure. There are some other things that, that just simply like this says, the weights that just need to be put down. There are things in our way, there are obstacles in our life, some things that just simply need to disappear, things that need to be set down because they're a weight, they're a burden that you carry. And there's sin in our life, it says, that clings so closely, it just just sticks to you so closely. It has to be dealt with. <clears throat> I was thinking of an illustration of that, just one of the things that I've learned in, in my past in between ministry positions, I've had a job in food service, it seems like, in all kinds of different places. And one of the things that you have to be careful of is the dreaded salmonella poisoning. Have you heard of this? You ever deal with chicken, cook chicken, right? Doesn't everyone freak out about that? 
you know, if you touch the chicken, you've got to wash your hands and every instrument that's cut the chicken and then the board that's on the chicken. And if you're trying to teach your kids how to cook, you're like, well, wait, don't, go, don't touch that. Don't touch that. And you're going to have to wipe down stuff behind them. You're going to get salmonella everywhere. You're going to get sick. Everyone's going to, you know, you've got to be careful. Is that chicken cooked through? You know, all these little aspects of it that you're worried about. And that's kind of reminded me of sin because it just sticks to you so closely. There's so many different ways to get tripped up and to fall. It says you need to lay aside these things. Aren't there some things in your life, some burdens like that, some sins that you really need to set aside? I mean, there are some times that, that <clears throat> I hate to admit it, where I say things I wish I hadn't said. I'm getting ready to leave work the other day from Oliver Gospel Mission and cross the street. Not the proper way, of course. I just go across the street. I jaywalk every day because it's too far to walk down and go across and to come back. <clears throat> well, shake your head. <clears throat> But I do the frogger thing. I gotta go to the, the middle section, you know, like where the turn lane is, and then wait, you know, unless it's completely clear. So, as I do every day, I went outside and get ready to cross the street, and I see a car coming just at the last minute, going way too stinking fast. And so I'm trying to hurry up and just get to the, the center turn lane. But rather than him staying in the lane that he was in, all of a sudden he was trying to cross over. So I'm like, I thought he was gonna hit me. And I said something I shouldn't have said just leaving the Oliver Gospel mission. I don't want that in my life. I don't want that knee-jerk reaction when I get scared, afraid, ticked off, whatever it is, to say something. You know, no one was around, no one heard me, but my boss could have been right behind. But, But the most important thing is the Lord heard me. And he knew what was in my heart, and he knew what came out. That sin would stick so closely. I don't want that to be a part of my life. <clears throat> there are other things that we struggle with. This goes all the way back to Genesis. I want you to understand this struggle that we have for sin. God is, is talking to Cain. Remember Cain and Abel? Cain got ticked off that his sacrifice wasn't good enough. Okay, because really what it was all about was he kind of gave the leftovers. If you go into the backstory, and God talks to Cain, he's basically saying, you know, why are you upset? He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? This is an obvious thing. You do the right thing, then you're blessed. Okay, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, and it says sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Sin is crouching at your door. Wants to bring you down. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. And the only way that you can rule over it really is because of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. (laughs) But it is a real struggle that we have. I want to give some, some practical things to think about this morning. Keep in mind that as I share these things, the only power that we have really over sin is because of Jesus. First of all, as Christians, as believers, we're forgiven, okay? Everything, the Bible, when, when Christ died on the cross, past, present, future sins, he died once and for all. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean because of God's grace that we continue just to say it's okay and to live in sin. We don't do those things. But understanding by the power of God, <clears throat> we have the ability to overcome this. I want to give you just some practical things to think through when it comes to dealing with laying aside every weight, okay, and following, following through. The first thing is, if you've got an issue, let's say something you're trying to stop, let's say it's the cussing issue, okay, that I mentioned a moment ago, something you're trying to stop. Maybe it's something you're trying to start, though, too. 
Maybe it's something, maybe you want to get something in your life, a, a good attitude, a good, <coughs> for example. We've got to be able to, to do this. We've got to be able to learn how to control our body, okay? But we've got to do that by simply starting, okay? Some of the, the biggest things that we, if we're trying to overcome sin in our life, we don't even start to try to get that out. When it comes to cussing, it's like, ah, oh, we just deal with it. I'll deal with it some other time. And there are different things in our life. We just, we just think it's too difficult, it's too tough to stop, and we don't even begin the process. We've got to start. One of the things you might want to think about as well is look ahead to some of these pitfalls. <coughs> when you get ready to get in the car, in my case, and I get irritated driving quite often. You know this because it's been in almost every illustration for some reason lately. When you get in your car, maybe you stop for a moment and you think ahead. All right, I know what time it is. I'm getting ready to encounter rush hour. I'm going to encounter people that are going to annoy me. I'm going to encounter people that are, I'm probably going to run into these situations. Think ahead (coughs) and stop and pray that moment. Lord, give me the strength to do what's right. Put it on your brain. That's part of the starting. That's part of the looking ahead. If you're dealing with, you know, temptations right now, I'm trying to get out of the bad habits of eating like Christmas stuff. That's just whatever, anything goes, to getting on a, a diet plan. I've got to be looking ahead thinking, all right, I know that <clears throat> if I go to so-and-so's house, they're going to probably offer me pizza or this is, you know, we went to go help out uh, Eric Davenport and the family move, and they had, they were going to offer pizza to those that came and helped them. I'm like, all right, I'm going to make sure in advance that don't even, that's not an option. It's off the table. You've got to look ahead. Think about those things. You've heard some of this stuff before, but with the power of God, it's possible, all right? Developing the right kind of habits, too. When they say it takes how many days to develop a habit? How many? Oh, 13. I heard 30. Maybe for some people that are advanced, it's 13. <coughs> if it's worked for you, great. I've heard 30. I would, I would gladly take 13 if that's the case. But nonetheless, <coughs> focus on that consistency to be able to do that. How about this? <coughs> we talk about this in church more than any other place. Accountability. You know, checking in with someone. Hey, how, how is the, how's the language coming? How's the time with you coming to drive home? Okay? How is the... What, the time on the computer, the things you see, you don't see. You know, how is, how is it going? But you really, accountability is one thing to just lay it out there. Say, I want you to be my accountability partner. I want you to, but you have to be specific about your accountability. You have to say, you know, Scott, I want you to ask me, you know, when I'm, give me a, give me a call, because I'm not going to call you because I don't want to talk to you if I've screwed up. Give me a call at 6 o'clock, you know, every Friday and ask me this question, did you cuss? Did you, whatever it is, have a specific plan for accountability. If you don't have a specific plan, you're not really being held accountable. And then the second, second question is, did you just lie to me <laughs> with what I asked you? You know, we have to be realistic about some of these things. You know, if you're going to try to conquer something like that, you have to, to be challenged. You have to have that kind of accountability <clears throat> because the Bible says that the heart is, is deceptively wicked. 
the human heart oftentimes just does things like that. We, we're going to find any kind of way around it that we can. So accountability has to be specific. And here's a great verse that I want you to pray, obviously. Okay, we say that, but we actually actually do it. All right, Pray for God's help and claim this particular promise that comes out of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. <clears throat> it says, first of all, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. There's nothing you're dealing with that no one else has struggled with. You know, you are not alone in your struggle. Okay, and in particular it says, and God is faithful. <clears throat> he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. First of all, it takes a bit of faith to believe that verse because you think there are some things in my life I just don't think it's possible for me to overcome. But do you believe the word of God? God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. <clears throat> but with the temptation, it says, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Maybe there's some things we need to be praying about. Lord, show me the way of escape with this. I've got a meeting with this person that annoys the crud out of me. Lord, show me how to have a loving heart and to not say what I really want to say. What is the way of escape here? <clears throat> and like some of you are praying that maybe I just don't have to have the meeting. You know, that could be the case sometimes. But look, be looking for the way of escape and take it. <clears throat> okay? Great verse. So controlling your body. Here's a huge thing, and this is controlling your mind. If you were the nursing home with us yesterday, we would have seen this passage. We read this in Romans 12, 1 through 2. This is so, so key. In Romans 12, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And really all that we're talking about in everything is giving ourselves fully to God. That's what being a living sacrifice is. But it says, and do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's really what's getting us into so much trouble, is becoming like the rest of the world in so many different ways <clears throat> that believers aren't supposed to be like the world. But it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, the way that you think about things. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. The point is, is our minds do need to be transformed. The way that we think about things is so huge. <coughs> there are really, if you're honest, some things that we say out loud that maybe we really don't believe or agree with God about. Because if we did agree with God, if we truly did believe that way, then we would live that way. The Bible also says, as a man thinks, so is he. So our mind has to be changed. It has to be transformed. And the most obvious way, quite honestly, is by being here, by spending time in prayer. But where does your mind get transformed? Where does it get changed? It's by the, it's the, the knowledge that you have being changed, where we read Scripture. What does the Bible have to say about this issue and that issue? <clears throat> but what we honestly have to do practically, too, in addition to that, is to watch what you mentally consume. I want you to think about that. Just to be very straight up practical. 
Watch what you mentally consume. Now, there's an old computer term that you might have heard before. Some of you know this. And it's simply this. It's garbage in, garbage out. In other words, the computer is only going to do what you've programmed it to do. Well, how come every time I do this, it does that? Well, that's in the programming. What I put into the computer is what I'm going to get out of it. <clears throat> I don't put milk in the fridge and then open the fridge up and expect I'm pulling out lemonade. What I've put in comes out. And in some ways, that's kind of what this verse is saying. Do we really pay attention to the things that we allow in our heads, in our minds? <clears throat> and as much as I hate to admit it, okay, the things that we watch, the things that we listen to, the things that we read do affect our minds. They affect the way that we think. And it's really hard to ask you this, because I have to ask myself this too, what kinds of things are we consuming? You know, here's the uncomfortable question. What kind of things do you watch on TV? You can ask yourself too. I mean, do you, if you, you can probably realize in some of the ways it affects you. Things you listen to, for me, I'm a political junkie, and I'll listen to a lot of talk radio, going back and forth to work. And I realized at one point, I'm like, I've got to turn this crap off. And I started listening one day to DMHK, <coughs> not my favorite channel per se. I'd rather listen to some other rock, Christian music or something. But it, changes, it changed my attitude. It changed my perspective. Or rather than that, listening to, um, you know, from trying to read through the Bible in a year, putting that in and listening to that on the way to work. Your perspective, the way that you think about things, the way that your attitude is when you walk in the door to work or you walk out is different because of what you've been dwelling on, what you've been thinking about. It does affect us. And Psalm, another great verse as far as laying aside the sin, <clears throat> Psalm 119.11, it's a great verse. And it says this, I have hidden your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you. It's probably one of the first verses I ever memorized, actually as a kid, as a new Christian, because... When, when the word of God is in your heart, it truly affects the way that you live. If you hide God's word in your heart, it says, hide, hide his word in your heart so you will not sin against him. What's in there? <clears throat> so, I've got to keep rolling. So, Hebrews 12, so, this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And But it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And it's talking about looking to Jesus, keeping your eyes on Him. If you're going to endure, you have to keep your mind on what's valuable, on what really matters, what really counts for eternity. We got this great example through Paul in Philippians chapter 3. This is the kind of perspective that, that Paul had. This is what he said. He says, for whatever gain I had, Whatever I thought mattered, if you will. I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, the, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. When I realize the value of Christ, I realize this is, everything else is garbage in comparison. You ever had a, an upgrade in your life with something? Maybe you bought something that was so much better than what you had before that it was such a big difference that you said, all right, I'm getting rid of this. <clears throat> you ever done that? 
Maybe it's like the TV. Remember we got this nice, big, flat-screen TV, and we had this other one that was probably from the 1920s. I don't know. It was, it was just huge, and it was heavy. And the, the, there was the point where there's just no use for this in comparison to that. And this is so much better, obviously, but he says, I count everything as loss compared to knowing Jesus. You realize how awesome Christ is, that he is the highest thing in your life. Nothing else matters. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things <clears throat> and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul had this perspective that, that he was number one. Nothing else could compare. <coughs> so we continue on. <clears throat> Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus. That's our focal point. Then it says this, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. We simply, if we're going to follow through, we have to have this mentality that we will not give up, that we will not grow weary. In Galatians chapter 6, it's a pretty cool verse, 6 9, it says, And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. We've got to hold on to the promises of God. We've got to be willing to stay strong and to keep, keep Jesus in mind. And to look, look ahead. An important part of not giving up as well <coughs> is knowing how to get back up when you fail. In Hebrews Four is a great verse that says, and Since then, we have a great high priest. It's talking about Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He understands. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, <coughs> yet without sin. So it says this. This is such a cool part of this verse. So let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He's there when we fall. He's there to give us the grace that will, that will pick us back up again to keep going. Paul had this amazing attitude, this perspective in realizing who Jesus was, that he was going to stay strong, that he was going to follow through. In Philippians 3, I want to read this to you. You've probably heard this before, <coughs> 3, 20, or 12, excuse me. And Paul, Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own or to own it, if you will, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. <laughs> i got to stop there for a second. Forgetting what lies behind. 
the mistakes of the past, maybe from, from years and years ago. Maybe it's even just yesterday. You ever find yourself living in yesterday rather than today? Living for Christ right now? It often happens when we forget about the grace of God. We feel like we've got to kind of be hard on ourselves for a while before we can really accept it and move on. Forgetting what lies behind, it says, and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. But let us hold true to what we have obtained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Great, great advice from Paul, right? Follow Christ, keep your eyes on Christ, but you know what? Follow other believers as well that you know are strong. Who do you have in your life? It's part of the accountability thing, but it's also part of the who you're hanging out with kind of thing. You want to get past these things? You want to grow as a Christian? Who are you hanging out with? Who are you spending time with? And not to say that you shouldn't be with that person or this person, but if you're really going to grow, you need to be around people like that. It's, it's, it's kind of obvious for a lot of things, isn't it? If you want to get better at playing music, you know, hang around other musicians. You talk to musicians. That's the great aspect of the whole social media kind of thing and getting together with people is learning from other people. As believers in Christ, that's why you're here today, too. Hopefully it's not just this cultural checkbox. What church? Okay. But it's, you know, being around other people as well. This is what I'm struggling with. This is what I'm going through, learning and rubbing against each other. We're supposed to be there for each other. So join in imitating me, he says. Paul's <coughs> at a point in his life, he could, he could say that, hey, watch me. Watch me, guys. This is, this is how you do it. And then he says, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. It's really scary as a pastor to read that. <clears throat> because I should probably be saying the same thing, feel comfortable saying, hey, watch me. This is how you do it. You know, how, do you, how do you really do a quiet time every day? How do you really spend time in prayer? How do you really... You know, show love to people. How do, you, how do you do this? But he also says, watch others. Can you save yourself as well? Would you be comfortable say, watch me. That's how you do it. You might think, well, I can, I can show you how to cook. I can show you how to, you know, change a tire. I can show you these things. But what about when it comes to, to Christ? <clears throat> so watch those, he says. He says, unfortunately for many whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. So many that have <coughs> just stopped following him, he said. He says, and their end is destruction. Their, their God is their belly. In other words, it's just their desires. I want to do this, so I'm going to do it. It's what I'm interested in at the time. You know, it's just this fancy word called hedonism. It's, I want it, I take it, I want it, I'm going to do it. No consideration of anything else. He says their God has become their belly, their desires, and they glory in their shame. You know, it's kind of like uh, you ever people that are kind of excited about being bad. I am so bad and so cool. You know, that's kind of the, the mentality here. 
with minds set on earthly things as opposed to heavenly things. We're always having to stop and ask ourselves that question, what are we focused on? Are we focused on the things of this earth or are we focused on Christ? And put it another way, we focused on things that don't last or on things that truly matter. Because he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. That's truly where we belong. That's our focus. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I'm going to read one more passage to you, but out of Hebrews, the last part of it in this encouragement is, Consider him, talking about Jesus, who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Consider what Jesus went through, <clears throat> so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. When it gets tough, remember what Jesus went through. When you want to whine and you want to complain, remember what Jesus went through. When you feel like quitting, you feel like giving up, remember what Jesus went through. So it says, consider him. I want to go back to Matthew 26 and end here. And this is right before Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. Matthew 26, verse 36. Do I have it in there? I don't. Well, I'm going to read it to you. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And Jesus is getting ready to face the cross. You've got to think about what he's getting ready to face as you understand why he prays what he prays. He's getting ready to take the sin of the world upon himself. When you've done something, think in your life, probably the worst thing you've ever done. How, how did that make you feel? How did you feel inside? Having said that thing, done that thing, whatever that is, to feel the burden of that sin probably just made you feel dark, depressed, sick to your stomach, whatever it is. Imagine that multiplied by the people of the world. And not just during that very time period. What we learn from Scripture is the sin past, present, and future. All coming upon him. The Bible says that Jesus took the sin of the world upon him. That's what he is about to face. As he struggles with this, it's more about that, I think, even because that's darker and scarier than even the death I believe he was about to face. It says this, so he went to pray in Gethsemane. <coughs> he said to the disciples, sit there, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. And keep watch with me. And going a little farther, <coughs> he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. 
to face that. It's incredible. But then he said this, yet not as I will, but as you will. And then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Disciples just didn't get it. He said, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And he asked Peter, he says this, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. You want to follow through? You want to carry on? Look at the rest of what this passage says. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Then Jesus says, The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And too often we just focus on the fact that our flesh is weak. It's too hard. I can't do it. It's not going to happen. It's never going to change. This struggle is going to go on forever. And we forget about the part that says that the Spirit is willing. The Spirit is willing. As we pray and as we consider what the Lord is wanting to do in our lives to change, to to follow through with the calling that he's given us, we have to remember that, yeah, though we are weak, the Spirit is willing, and it's God himself who will give us the strength to accomplish what he's called us to do, the strength to be changed and transformed in the person that he wants us to do. We need to continue to go to him and to continue to trust in him for all these things, to follow through, and to finish well. Will you all stand with me this morning? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, we are grateful for the example that we see in you. Facing our, the taking upon the sin of the world, including ours, upon yourself. And following through and giving your life for us on that cross. Thank you for dying for our sin so that we could be forgiven we could have brand new life. Lord, I pray that as we are weak, as we desperately want to be changed by you to be the people you've called us to be, to accomplish the things you've asked us to do, or that we remember that that you are willing, the Spirit is willing to move within us and to to change us and to help us to accomplish the purposes that you have for us. So, Lord, we just simply thank you for that and we declare our faith and our trust in you. That, Lord, we'll continue to get up every day and look to you. That we'll consider you in every moment. Lord, we love you, and we're so thankful that that you're in our lives. Thankful that you are God, that you're our Father. So, Lord, help us to truly listen to you. Help us to put it into action. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.